I was young, I was unremarkable. I grew up in the small village of Nazareth. We boasted just over 100 villagers, and it was on a beautiful plain. Our white stone houses sprawled throughout the hills, and we placed our synagogue on the highest peak. Our village was filled mostly with farmers. Now, we did have some craftsmen that worked down in the market, a basket weaver, a dyer, a butcher, a blacksmith, and a carpenter. And we didn't hope to live extraordinary lives. What we wanted, what we hoped for, was to please the Lord, was to love our parents, and to serve our community the best we could. So it was to my great surprise to find out that I was meant, in the Lord's view, to marry the carpenter Joseph. He was well respected and loved, and for me, a young girl, a teenager, really, it was more than anything I could have hoped for. It meant comfort, stability, and a respectable life. It was the most exciting and important thing that ever happened to me. Or at least, that's what I thought. But God had bigger plans. <laughs> On a day just like any other day, I was visited by an angel, and everything changed. He said, greetings. You are in high favor. The Lord is with you. And little me, naive and still learning about herself, I was troubled, to say the least. I mean, what kind of greeting is that? <laughs> I was scared. But God's messenger comforted me and told me what was to come, that I was to have a child, and he, my child, would be great. He would be the son of the Most High, and the Lord God would give him a throne, and his kingdom would never end. Well, how is this supposed to be? I said, I, I'm still a virgin. And the angel said that the Holy Spirit would come to me and the good Lord would comfort and protect me. And I thought to myself, well, I'm just a young girl, I, a child really, and I would sometimes disobey my parents. And I was a sinner as we are all sinners. And I tried to live my life as best I could, but I was not perfect. And I questioned. I thought, how is it that I am meant to lead this path, this life? How am I to trust the words that are coming out of this angel's mouth? But with each question and how petrified I was, there was an answer. Our great comforter provided me with answers. And with every doubt I had, there was a gentle hand there to guide me to the right path. I couldn't help but think, how is this for me? There must be plenty more, other more worthy women out there to carry this mantle. But question after question and doubt after doubt, the Lord God comforted me. And it was my faith and my love that led me to follow his path. I wish I could say that the questions stopped, but neither did the answers. People often ask me, how did it feel the moment you gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God? And it always strikes me when other mothers ask me that because I simply say, well, how did you feel when you gave birth to your children? And with a pause, they almost always say, I felt complete. 
I felt like a whole person. Then you know exactly how I felt. It just so happens that Jesus wasn't just for my completion. His soul wasn't just the other half of my soul. He was meant for so much more than that. And to watch my son grow and follow his path of righteousness, his life wasn't just for himself, it was for others. He taught and he preached, love thy enemies as you love thyself. He said that. And the pride that I felt <laughs> oh, mother's pride, they say. Nothing is greater than a mother's pride. And then that, that day, the day that they crucified my son was unspeakable, un, unimaginable. I, to see my son, and yes, yes, he was for a greater purpose, but in my memory, all I could see were his small hands in mine. And those hands, now broken, carrying the weight of the world. And I thought back to that day with that angel so long ago and the questions I had and the doubts and the answers and the comfort and the uncertainty of it all. And it was that uncertainty, that feeling, that comforted me the most. I was there the day that Jesus came into this world. And I was there the day that he left it. And I was there three days after, still questioning why. And there he was, a glorious and great creator with a resounding and beautiful because. You are to bear a child and it shall be a son and you shall name him Jesus. It was one sentence that changed my life and his life change the world. Well, first, let me say this. If you are here for the first time or the first time in a long time, you've picked a great Sunday to be at Calvary because we're beginning a new series entitled Christmas Presents. The difference that God's presence makes and the gift that he gives us of his presence. We're told in, in Luke's gospel in the first chapter of Luke that God sent his angel, Gabriel, to a town called Nazareth to a virgin who was pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph. And that angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. And her, the response, I, I love this. Scripture tells us this. She was troubled by what kind of greeting that might be. Her life was, her life was seemingly set. But God's presence was getting ready to change everything. It was getting ready to change everything. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few moments this morning. I love what, what our Mary said on the stage this morning. That, that everything changed. And, and that's, that's what happens when 
when God enters the equation. Now, we live in a world that's constantly changing anyway, and so we should somewhat be used to that. But sometimes, sometimes change, it just brings this unsettledness. It just brings this anxiety. I was thinking this morning about presents. I was thinking about some of the great presents that I received and think about some of the moments that I've had. Have you ever, have you ever engaged in one of those uh, group gathering Christmas present exchanges? You know where you're told that you're supposed to bring a, a gift of a certain amount of money and, and there'll be this gift exchange, right? And, and, and sometimes you'll, you'll do this and, and it's anonymous and, and you draw numbers, right? Sometimes if it's a, if it's a, a group that's a bit more adventurous, you know, and a bit more festive, you'll, you'll draw numbers and then you get to take a prize out of the, a present out of the, out of the pile. And then if somebody wants, they can take that present from you, right? Anybody ever played that game uh, over Christmas, right? And then there's, there's violence at your company Christmas party or your small group social gathering. Well, <laughs> a number of years ago, uh, when Jody and I were serving in a church as youth pastors, we were invited uh, to uh, a party. It was, it was not a group that we were normally connected to. Uh, and so we, we were invited to participate in one of these Christmas gift exchanges. I thought that what we were supposed to bring was a, a white elephant gift or a humorous gift. As, as people started taking gifts off of the pile and they would open them up, I realized that was not the case. <laughs> Unfortunately, the gift that I had brought was not something anyone would want to receive. It was a gift that should have got some great laughs. But this was not the moment. And I, I'm sitting there in the room and I'm, I'm watching this unfold and I'm going, oh, please, dear God, okay, if you have any mercy towards me, Okay, any kindness, any compassion. The host of this party will not get my gift. As you could probably already imagine, uh, sure enough, he picked his number, he looked at the pile, and he said, I want that one. And as he opened it, I, I cringed. <laughs> and the expression on his face said it all. Who would think about giving something as silly as this? The idea was to bring a good gift. And most of the people came there thinking, you know what, I'm going to bring a good gift. I hope I leave with something better. Right? Unfortunately, the host that, that, that evening did not leave with something better. Um, and I'd like to say we all had a good laugh, but uh, nobody was laughing. I, I, missed, I missed the moment because I didn't understand. This morning, I, I want to I hopefully give you some, some perspective. I, I want to give you a, a different sense of, of the story of Mary. And... and and my prayer is this, is that we can have a greater understanding of, of what it is that God does and the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, -E -E that we receive from God's presence. 
And we see it in the life of Mary and in her interaction with the, with the messenger of the Lord, with the servant of the Lord, with the angel of the Lord, Gabriel. Right? In this, in this, in this, in this, in this midst of the supernatural, Mary has some very natural responses. To the change that God is bringing, she has some very natural responses. And in that, there are powerful principles, great lessons for us to learn. And the first thing that we find as we're, as we're navigating life is this, that things always don't go as expected. Mary did. Mary, Mary, was, Mary was a young girl who her best hopes were were coming true. In this little village of Nazareth, and, and, and there are historians will vary on size. Some say that Nazareth was less than 100. Some say it was a town of about four to 500. There, there are some Bible historians will say that Nazareth had as many as 10,000 people. More proof is that it was a smaller town than a larger town. It is interesting though that it is, it, it, it is almost consistently referred to as a city, which tells us that it had some size, and the fact that it had a synagogue tells us that it had some size to it. And in that town, Mary, as a young girl, in that culture, her best hope was to be married young to a man who would be kind to her and could consistently provide for her. I'm convinced of this. If Mary could have picked any man in Nazareth, Joseph would have been her choice. Why? Well, Scripture reveals to us Joseph's response to Mary's situation. It reveals to us the profound character of this gentleman, of this young man. He, 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 is, he, is, he, is not, he is not thrown by what God does in the moment. And he's not concerned about what people will say about him. He, he has love and compassion towards his betrothed. And so we see this. We see that he's, a, that he's a man of great character. We also know this, that we are told traditionally that Joseph is a carpenter. Okay? One of the things that I don't do a lot here at Calvary, because I, I, I just don't do it a whole lot. I don't do a whole lot in kind of digging into, on a Sunday morning, digging into the Greek words, right? And, and, but some, every once in a while, it's good to look at the Bible in its original language. See, the, the Bible that you have, the Bible that you read, it's, it's written in English for most of you. Some of you came, come, uh, you're bilingual and you come with a, a Spanish Bible, Reina Valeria. But, but for the most part, we're reading an English Bible. But whether your Bible is English or Spanish today, that's not the original language that the Bible was written in. The Bible originally was written, the Old Testament, the first half of the book, was written in Hebrew. And the second part of the book was written in Greek. And so when we learn about Joseph, the, the, the Greek word that, that Joseph is described as, it's this. He was a tecton. 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 I want you to say that with me. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Tecton. Say it again. Tecton. Okay? Sounds different than carpenter, does it? Okay? So now when you, when you go home and you look at your nativity scene, I want you to know this, that you've got a, you've got a, 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 you've got a woman, you've got a camel, you've got a tecton in your, in your nativity scene. If you're missing a tecton in your nativity scene, your nativity scene is incomplete. Okay? So what was a tecton? What did it mean to be a, in the English translation, a carpenter? 
Well, a tecton wasn't just a guy that had a hammer and a saw, right? It wasn't just a guy that had the ability to work with, with wood. A, a tecton in, in, in Jesus's day, this was a person who was well-respected in the community. A, a tecton didn't just have the ability to, to, to hammer, to saw, to, to, to work with wood. He had the ability to to build things, to construct things. The tecton in a city, the tecton in a village, he was the equivalent of the general contractor. And so what you would do is if you wanted an addition to be built onto your house, right? Because in, in that day, when your children got married, they didn't so much move away as you just kept building rooms onto your house and building rooms onto your house and building rooms onto your house, right? And so as your family's growing larger and you're going to build a room onto your house, you're going to go to the tecton. And you're going to say, I need to build a room onto my house. And he's either going to say, here's what it's going to take. Here's the resources that you're going to need. Or you may say to the tecton, here's the resource that I have. With what I have, what are we able to do? And he would, he would help you figure out what you could build. And then he would help get it built. The tecton, because they were known to be individuals that had intelligence and had wisdom... In a, in a community, if the priest was gone and there was a dispute that needed to be settled, it would often go to the tecton. So this was not just a, a meagerly position that Joseph had. Joseph was a man who would have been well-respected in his community and, and able to take care of Mary. So Mary is living in, in Nazareth in that day, in 5 BC, Mary is living every young girl's dream. Her life is set. And it's in the midst of this that we find Luke chapter 1. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> you are blessed and highly favored. Now, now there's, a, there's an element of that that, that she, she, it, would, it would somewhat resonate with her, right? Because she is blessed. She's, she's betrothed to Joseph. It would seem that she's highly favored. And yet, I'm convinced that even the tenor of the angel's greeting, she was like, okay, why, why, are, you, why are you saying that to me? And here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice this, that when, when life is changing for you, okay, when, God comes, when God steps into your world, when God comes into your moment and life begins to change, there are four things that you can be, that you can be confident of. Okay? And number one is this, is you can be confident that when God brings change, that he's going to bring comfort for the anxieties. Right? He's going to bring comfort for, for the anxieties. Notice this. It tells us as the angel greeted her that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But notice what it says in Luke one thirty. Luke one thirty. it says this. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And, and that's what, listen, that's what God will do. In, 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 in the midst of life's changes... And make no mistake that God has a plan for you. God, God has a destiny for you. And, and as, we, as we choose to say, okay, God, instead of living out my plan, instead of living out my ideal, what I'm going to do, God, is, is I'm going to step into your plan. I'm going to step into your ideal. 
It's going to bring about change. And oftentimes it's going to bring more questions than the answers that we have in the moment. I remember as a young man, the, the dreams that I had for my life. I had, I, had, I had two dreams. I had one crazy dream and I had a much more realistic dream. Okay? My crazy dream was to play in the NFL. I was a tall guy. Uh, I was fast. Um, and uh, and I, 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 I had some success playing, playing in high school sports, playing high school football. And so I, I had this idea that maybe, perhaps, possibly, um, I could make it into uh, playing professional football. And uh, a lot of that changed uh, the, the first day of school, my junior year in high school, when I was hit by a drunk driver. Uh, but even in that, I, I, I knew that, you know, just a small percentage of, of young men that play high school football get college scholarship offers. And, 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 and then a small percentage of those who get college scholarship offers actually end up playing for, you know, for a college football team for, for any period of time. And, and, and even if you're able to be a, 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 a starting position player on a college team, it, it's, it's pretty remote that you're going to be drafted in to professional football, and even if somehow a team selects you, it does not mean that you're going to make the team. But a, 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 a kid can dream, right? And so I, I had this dream. But I also had a sense of realism as well, knowing that that was pretty far-fetched. And so my, my more realistic dream was this. My more realistic dream was I was going to go into law. And I didn't know what kind of law, but I knew I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to be uh, just a, uh, an attorney that kind of helped uh, uh, put a shingle out. I wanted to be a corporate attorney. Okay? And here's the reason why. I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just telling you what a 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th grader where my mind was. Okay? And, and, and this, is, this is what I knew. I, I, had, I had grown up early childhood in a fairly financially comfortable household. When my father died at seven years of age, I went from being in a financially comfortable environment to living in poverty. Just devastating poverty. And so I lived, I lived in that world, to, 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 to quote, uh, to quote uh, Samuel Clemens, I had, been, I had been rich and I had been poor. And if I had my choice, I'd rather be rich. Okay? Anybody else, can anybody else relate to that? And if you had a choice of being rich or poor, I'm, I'm going to choose rich. And so I said, you know, I see these guys. I see, um, you know, I see the law sh shows on television, on the nighttime television dramas. And those attorneys are always really well-dressed, hanging around with very pretty girls, driving really nice cars. I'm in. Sign me up. Right? Judge me if you want, but that was, I said, that's the world that I want to live in. Because here's what I knew. I knew that that, that was a path that I could go down. There's no way, I mean, uh, you know, Doc and, Doc and Ellie Ewing were not going to, they, they weren't going to take me in as a child. There was no way I could become a part of the Ewing family. Remember Dallas, a television show, for those of you that are my age? Right? I, that, that, that wasn't going to happen. Okay? I wasn't going to be, I wasn't suddenly going to be a part of Falcon's Crest. And so, what was my plan? My plan was this. I was going to study law, and that was my path. Until, until God tapped me on the shoulder and said, Ed, I have a, I have a different plan for you. I have, a, I have a different path for you. I have a different journey for you. You know, you know what, I, what I've discovered in 
in my personal experience, and, and, and more than that, what I see in, in Scripture is this. When we come to God, we don't just come to God with our broken pieces. And I think it's easy for us to focus on the broken pieces. And I think that's part of the reason why the story of Mary sometimes gets shifted. Why I think the perspective gets to an unhealthy point, you know? And Joseph and Mary are, are, are they're often portrayed, I believe, grossly misportrayed as these people that were highly impoverished. And the only reason why people make the misassumption uh, that they were highly impoverished was because of the gift that they brought when Jesus was dedicated in the temple. And, and that was not an indicator of their financial position. It was more an indicator of their location at the time. I think, it's, I think it's pretty easy to give God my pain. I think it's pretty easy to give God my problems. I think it's pretty easy to surrender to God my frustrations and my fears. You know what's a little bit harder to do? Is to give God my dreams. Right? To give God my victories. To give, to give God those things in life that are working. Okay, God, I, I, I want to give you my finances today because they're a mess. But God, I don't want to give you my relationships because I like where they're at. Can anybody relate to that this morning? God, I, I want to give you my family because I'm, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. I'm, 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 I'm having great difficulty in this parenting issue. But God, I don't want to give you my career. Because that's soaring. And so God, what I want to do is I want to surrender to you the problems in my life. But God, the areas that are working, I've got that. And there's a wonderful lesson in, in the life of Mary. What Mary does is this, is Mary surrenders to God. Not just her pains, not just her problems. Mary surrenders to God an amazing dream that's coming true. And in the midst of that, she, she's, got these, she's got these anxieties, right? And the angel tells her, don't be afraid, Mary. Listen, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to be afraid. You, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a whole lot of comfort. Mary, not only is everything going to be okay, but you are a part of, you're a part of a world's destiny. Okay, angel, that sounds good, but I'm, I'm confused. You ever been there with God? Where you feel like God's telling you that you're supposed to shift and, and, and walk in a very different direction, but you go, God, I, okay, I understand this. 
God, you want me to surrender this relationship to you. I, I get it, but how's this going to work? God, you're, you're calling me to put you first in a workplace where a compromise of character is necessary for me to maintain my job. And you're wanting me to shift and put you first in that and surrender that to you and surrender my career to you. Okay, God, I understand that, but I don't understand how this is going to work. Mary's issue is not doubt. It's she just doesn't understand. What's interesting to me about this story is I want you to notice God doesn't ask her right? Mary's not asked about this role. God tells her, Mary, you're blessed and highly favored because this is going to happen to you. And Mary doesn't say no. She just goes, how? Right? And, and, and here's what you can be confident of, is not only will God give you comfort for the anxieties in your life, he'll bring you clarity for the confusion. And not only will he bring clarity for the confusion, he'll bring confirmation for the questions. Right? She says, I don't understand. How can, how can this be? And the angel answers and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, and, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. And, and, and listen, we can live with that reality. But to live with that reality, it's important that we have Mary's disposition. And what was Mary's disposition? She is willing to give God the good things in her life. Not just the bad things in her life. She's willing to give God the good things in her life because what she wants to do is this. is She wants to, she wants to take what has been given to her And surrender that for something that is better. And, and that's, that's what God makes available to us. Is he makes available to us surrendering not just the pains in our life, not just the frustrations and the fears and the anxieties, right? Not just our, our, our struggles and our defeats. But he also wants us to surrender that which we perceive to be good. In fact, that which we may perceive to be the best possible thing ever. Because what was prophesied by Jeremiah is so true. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And Mary's, Mary's willingness. Notice, notice her response to all this. I in the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. I think the King James puts it this way. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. 
You know, there's a, uh, there's a Christmas song that has become somewhat popular now. It's called Mary Did You Know. It was, it was sung Friday night at, uh, at Noel. Mary Did You Know. I, I want to I, I give you a response to that. Are you ready? She did know. Okay. So next time you're somewhere and you hear that song, Mary Did You Know? Mary Did You Know? Yes. Mary knew. You know how Mary knew? Here's how Mary knew. Mary knew because the angel Gabriel appeared to her and said, Mary, this is going to happen. Mary, after, after the angel of the Lord uh, uh, appears to her, okay, and then the angel of the Lord disappears, it tells us there in Luke chapter 1 that Mary immediately left and hurried and went to see her relative Elizabeth. Okay, she takes a three-day journey from Nazareth to the area of, 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 of Hebron. And she visits Elizabeth. And as soon as she walks into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth speaks this word of confirmation over her. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth speaks this, this, this confirmation over her, this affirmation over her. On the night that Jesus was born, these shepherds come from the field to worship Jesus. Then a short time later, these wise men come from thousands of miles away and show up and bring priceless gifts. I think Mary had a clue. Right? I, it, if you were to have a child, right? And the shepherds from the field show up to worship your child. That gives you a clue that maybe this thing with the angel wasn't just something, uh, wasn't just a dream that I had. Right? We know this. At the age of 12, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, their, their family go from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they leave. Right? And by the way, they leave with their company, okay, with their group, with their caravan. Um, and, uh, and, and that kind of speaks to some of the resource that Joseph and Mary would have had. But they leave with their caravan. They get some ways away and they go, wait a minute. Jesus isn't with us. So for those of you that think the movie Home Alone, that that can't happen. <laughs> just saying. Right? That's where they got the idea. I don't know if that's got the idea, but. But then they go back and they find Jesus and he's, he's there in the temple. And, and what, is, what does he say? He says, woman, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Right? She, now, in, in that moment, she's lost some perspective, right? Because Joseph, uh, Mary looks at Joseph or looks at Jesus and goes, Jesus, what were you doing? Your father and I were worried. And he goes, no, no, no. Man, you, you should have realized, you should have understood I'd be in my father's house. Then as Jesus is entering his public ministry, the wedding at Cana, right? Where Mary approaches Jesus and says, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, they don't have any wine. <laughs> we, Jesus knows what she wants before she comes, right? And his response is, woman, what have I to do with you? Have you ever had that moment with, with your mom? <laughs> Seriously, mom? Like, not now? Like, I'm at a party and this isn't the right time? Right? <laughs> Jesus says, woman, what, have, what, what am I to do with you? But 
Mary knows both the ability of her son and she knows the character of her son, right? Because Jesus says to her, woman, what have I do to you? And Mary says to the people around her, look, just do what he says. He's going to take care of it. Just trust me. And he does, doesn't he? Right? <laughs> he turns the water into wine. And not just, not just, he doesn't just turn the water into wine. He turns the water into very good wine. Mary knew. There were moments, though, that she, she, that she did lose perspective. There was one time in the middle of Jesus' ministry that his family came and tried to pull him away, thinking that he had gone mad. I have no doubt when, when Jesus is there on the cross and he says, John, John, take care of my mother. Mother, this is now your son. That she, she experienced unspeakable agony, agony on that day. But Mary is listed among the people that are in the upper room. Mary is there when Jesus appears. A resurrected Jesus appears. Mary is there when the power of the Holy Spirit falls on the upper room at the day of Pentecost. Mary is a part of the church that is birthed after Jesus' ascension. Mary has the ability to see that God had so much more in store for her than a quiet little life in a sleepy, sleepy little village on the side of a hill in central Israel. Here's the question I have for you today. What is the good in your life that's keeping you from experiencing the great that God has for you? What is the good that you're holding on to? Instead of surrendering it all to God for the great that is his, that is his heart for you. What is, the, what is the anxiety that's keeping you from embracing the change that God wants to bring into your day to take you to a place greater than you ever dreamed? How, how is the confusion keeping you from walking in the clarity that God has for you? Well, just as God did through the angel Gabriel to Mary, God wants to bring to you this morning. He, 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 wants, to, he wants to bring to you a, a comfort for all of those anxieties. And God's big enough to handle your fears and your stress. He wants to bring, he wants to bring clarity into that confusion. It's the reason why God's word says that if we lack wisdom, that we can ask and that he'll give it to us because we're supposed to live our lives not as unwise, but as wise. He brings answers to those questions. And, and I love this, the last little part, you see this in Luke chapter 1, verses 41, 42, that God allows us, we don't, we don't take this journey alone, Right? He allows us to have these wonderful connections. That's the reason why what we do is so important. 
we have these wonderful connections for the journey. Mary doesn't have to go through this alone. She is told by the angel, listen, what you're about to do going through this process of being with child, Elizabeth is already well into that process. And so Mary goes and she spends three months with Elizabeth. And they, they navigate this, this crazy new thing in their life together. See, God will give you everything that you need as you step from good to great. God will give you everything that's necessary to help you to move from good, from better to best. The big question is this. Will I give my anxiety to him? Will I, will I give my confusion to him? Will I, will I accept his answers to the questions? And ultimately, will I say, okay, God, I'm living the dream that I have for me. But I recognize and I want much more to live the dream that you have for me. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.